Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We're uh, chasing wins this year. This is Chasing Wins. So, Jim, we've had a busy couple weeks here, starting with the Chris Paul-Jordan Poole trade, which was like a blockbuster move. For the Warriors, um, definitely was a shock to the to to the fan base as a whole. But there were breadcrumbs, and there were you know there was some noise out there that had, that we had heard that the Warriors were interested in Chris Paul, and most people had thought that in the context of a buyout situation. But um, turns out we actually ended up trading um, our most you know, valuable asset you could argue from a contract standpoint with Jordan's 28 million uh, headed to Washington. And so now we have more contract flexibility with this move. Uh, that that seemed to be a major um, upside point with it. And, and in fact, you know, he can add some value on the court as well from a playmaking standpoint, settle, settling us down, having one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the NBA, a guy that's pretty efficient as a scorer, and a good decision maker. And even though he's not as physically, uh, you know, what he was, you know, five, 10 years ago from a defensive standpoint, I still think he is smart enough on that end to compensate for those uh, limitations. So just what are your thoughts on the CP3 pool trade as a whole and, and what it means for the Warriors going into next season? Hmm. So, Oh, I had a lot of thoughts about this, Trey. Uh, you know, and I, I need time to think about some things. Uh-huh. And, you know, in the, in the off season, I kind of just shut my brain off a little bit. But in, in terms of Chris Paul, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors to consider for me. And uh, one of them, obviously, uh, you just mentioned is uh, the contract in and of itself. It's that the Warriors have given themselves some level of flexibility by bringing in this this guy that they have a chance to try to incorporate into for the first half of the season and see how it goes, right? And you know, this is a unique change from Pool, obviously. And there's a lot of good things to say about it, for sure. I mean, Chris Paul is, he's arguably a top five point guard of all time. And I I think uh, if anybody has trouble with that, I I think most people can easily put him maybe top seven, top 10 uh, point guard of all time. Uh, I think that's easily said. 
Uh, that's how that's that's the caliber of player that Chris Paul is. He's not some like semi-star or something like this. This is you're you're essentially getting like a John Stockton late in his career, and you're essentially more or less uh, getting to getting him to come off the bench and just kind of fortifying your team and uh, basically leaving no gaps where there is poor play uh, out there in terms of what you're getting from your point guard, right? Because now with the combination of Steph Curry and Chris Paul, you have a floor general and a really powerful one at that at all times of the game, right? All 48 minutes, you have either Chris Paul or Steph Curry out there. And that just provides like unbelievable kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Stability. Yeah. Yep. Right. And I like that a lot. Obviously we've talked about issues of size. Uh, That's, that's been, you know, this past season, it's been all about the Warriors playing three guard lineups, four guard lineups, just playing too small, uh, defensively unreliable. Uh, from a size standpoint, right? So that, you know, I, for certain matchups, that could be a potential issue. But for the most part, I, I think we're going to see a lot of stability. So it, it's an interesting situation because if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, if Chris Paul doesn't want to come off the bench and if he needs to, because obviously, right? I, I mean, we're expecting that to happen. Whereas, We've also seen kind of um, reports saying that he's going to start or the notion is that they want him in the starting lineup somehow. Um, And you can see the complication in that, right? You sit loony, you go small the entire season. And, you know, that's that's a lot of wear and tear. Good playing small all season long. Uh, We've seen the different repercussions of that from different teams as well. Even the Heat, right? They, They went kind of small all the way and it just, that wasn't good enough. Right. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes with that. Again, I, I think there's a lot more positives with CP. You can, you can move him if you need to for a, a piece that may fit better uh, at, at the halfway mark, if it doesn't work out, but the Warriors have made a lot of moves, right? Uh, I think so far in the offseason. I mean, they got what, two, three more moves left in terms of free agency stuff to just to fill out the roster. Right. Uh, but again, we, we, I think we have a lot to see still uh, in terms of who's, who's going to um, round out the, the roster. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I want to, I want to kind of go down the route of uh, what they're doing overall in terms of what Mike Dunleavy is doing. Um, but before I do that, um, like, what did you think when they yeah. asked CP? Um, so I think we were getting a guy that, like, we know who's who's gone head-to-head, who's battled uh, us for years. Obviously, like, with the Houston Rockets, you know, back in 18, 19. Uh, with, you can go all the way back a decade with the Clippers in 2014. Um, and even before then, like, him and Steph have had a really close relationship, North Carolina connections. Uh, even off the court, like they they've you know had their uh, you know or Chris has taken taken Steph under his wing, and 
Um, Steph has always felt a certain type of way about like CP3 and from from a competitive standpoint, and it, and it's healthy. And CP3's felt the same way, where you know in 2015 you could kind of see and sense the shift in you know who who the best point guard in the NBA is um, from a more in a more demonstrative standpoint, right? Like it was arguable in 14, right? CP3 and and they beat the Warriors in seven games, but I think in 2015 when Steph won that MVP and had that had that championship run, um, obviously the infamous you know, double behind the back, uh, move on the baseline that, that dropped them, things like that. Um, you could just see the passing of the torch. And then from that point forward, like he didn't look back, but then you move on to 2018, 2019 and CP3 goes to the Rockets. And that's probably the one team that was the most threatening to the Warriors in the West out of all their years, maybe outside of the Thunder in 2016, but that team was led by by CP3 and Harden. And CP3, I believe, than what the numbers will tell you is the, the Rockets were actually a better team when CP3 was on the court and Harden was off than when Harden was on and CP3 was off. You look at CP3's advanced numbers and all, and he this guy is a walking positive. Like, he any situation, whether it's with the Thunder, the Rockets, the Clippers... Um, the Hornets or the Suns, like, and I may be missing a team or two, but those were like the primary teams that I could think of. And he's always been a positive, whether he's played with young teams, older teams, veteran teams, championship teams, contenders, fringe playoff teams. Like this is a guy that, you know, will elevate your team regardless of the role he's in. He's efficient as a scorer. As I mentioned before, he's efficient with his possessions Right, and we're we're moving off a player who is not efficient with his possessions. Like Jordan Poole possessions are not efficient. Like I don't know what people think, uh, but the guy turns it over a lot for someone who has the ball in his hands as much as he does. The numbers support that. Uh, he he's not an efficient scorer. Like he, sh- I think Poole shot thir- forty three from the field, thirty three from three, and like. Uh, high 80s from the line, which is, you know, free throw percentage is good, but like from, you know, as a scorer, you know, in the paint, uh, he's solid, but everywhere else, I mean, you just see blue, like it's just cold charts. Um, and his shot selection, his decision-making, like you, you kind of put all these things together and it, it just makes for an unefic- an inefficient player who doesn't defend at a high level and who doesn't rebound. And what I will say about CP three is this, this is a guy that if he goes Oh, for seven or like four for 15, right. You're still going to, you're going to expect. And because he's good enough, he can give you seven to eight assists, maybe a turnover three to four rebounds, a couple steals, right. And, and, and competitive defense, right. He'll get a couple steals, maybe go for a couple loose balls, Um, and he'll get others involved, like in his own way, and he'll find ways to be effective. So while he may not be physically imposing, he's not six, seven, six, eight, right. He's not, you know, there's limitations to what he can and can't do. He's still a guy that's going to find ways to be a positive on the court. And there's never been a situation where he hasn't. So you're playing next to Steph, Clay and Draymond Wiggins, Kevon Looney, GP two, 
you know, and some rookies now. We're going to add some more pieces, like you said, but I think this is a move where you are transitioning from a guy that in Jordan Poole who he had a champ, he had championship experience in 2022. He contributed in a meaningful way, 50, 39, 90 splits in the, in the playoffs that year, 17 points per game, uber efficient with his possessions then, but kind of, you know, the league sort of was able to scout him easier, kind of figure him out. Uh, and he struggled. And you can compound that with the punch. You can say the punch had something to do with it. You could say that his yo-yoing of minutes and opportunity in the rotation had something to do with it. But if that's the case, then Chris Paul, if he has to deal with those same issues and that same deck deck of cards, I would expect him to handle it much with much more grace because he has more experience and he has more, uh, you know, in pedigree. And he has more uh, the the ability to adjust. I think is just much better. And so a guy like that, I think, is the ultimate acquisition because we need guys who are flexible. We need guys who are, you know, uh, who understand how to win. And while Chris Paul isn't a champion, he still won. He's gone to he went to the finals a couple of years ago. That's an accomplishment. He's made the Western Conference Finals. He's, you know, been to countless playoffs. You know, he's been plagued by injuries himself or his team. But at the end of the day, he's by no by no means he's a guy that's flamed out every season. Like he is a guy that's made it far enough to where you can say his teams are good and competitive, but he's just never been able to get over the hump. So the hope is is that in a in a backup point guard role, right? Because I know Mark Spears alluded the other day that he may be starting which I think is noise. I think that's that may even be coming out of the Warriors camp so so as to make him feel comfortable and make that transition smoother. But I ultimately think he'll be coming off the bench because I don't believe it is a viable option for Steph, Clay, and CP3 to start from a positional standpoint based on what uh, we demand, right, from a rebounding, defensive, and, and hierarchy standpoint. So you know, I think it's it's an upgrade in many ways, maybe a downgrade in others, but we won't know, you know, what this move means until we round out the rest of the roster. And I will say this last point. If we do end up keeping Kaminga and Moody, I expect CP3 to, to elevate them uh, in a way that maybe not to the degree, but in a sense where he, what he was able to do uh, in Phoenix with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. But the 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 stipulation there is on Steve Kerr to actually adjust and implement sets and um you know uh, just overall adjustments that cater to their skill sets because uh Kaminga and CP3 should not be playing in motion offense they should be running pick and roll Moses Moody I view as a Cam Johnson light a guy that can catch and shoot uh, maybe put the ball on the floor a little bit, play off of CP3 in simpler actions. So I think there's potential there, but assuming we keep them, which I don't know is necessarily going to be the case, but I do think he can elevate our younger core off the bench. But hopefully we do end up you know, upgrading so we don't have to depend on their development to contend you know, in a meaningful way down the, down the line. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm still working with the assumption that they're both gone. Uh, Kuminga and right. um, Moody are both gone because they're kids. They're, it's, it's been told that they are unhappy. They've taken actions that have shown that they are unhappy. 
during the playoffs and when the playoffs ended. I think Moody like unfollowed the Warriors social media or something like that. Um, obviously, we heard all the noise about Kuminga demanding more playing time, you know, moving forward uh, with a clearer role or else. So, I mean, that's just headache that the Warriors just don't need anymore. They just went through an entire season of all this drama that just doesn't need to be there anymore now that we've seen what's what. And yeah, you look at the changes that Dunleavy has made so far. And it's, you know, it's very interesting. And I feel like it's also like a stark contrast from what they've done to this point. Uh, I think... I was kind of thinking on this a little bit last night and I'm, I feel like I really like the direction that Dunleavy is going so far, you know, in his first year of trying, you know, this job, Uh, because we don't know how, you know, what kind of personality he has. We don't know how he thinks of various things that have happened with the team, but it seems like he's just, he really understands, obviously, he's been with the organization and he knows what's going on and he knows what went wrong. Uh, so he understands, seems, all the nuances of the two timelines. Um, I think he also sees the issues of Steve Kerr. And it's interesting to see Dunleavy kind of fill out this roster and giving Steve Kerr these super efficient players, guys that don't turn the ball over, uh, guys that are just more solid, but guys that are used to playing uh, different types of, you know, basketball, different types of system. Chris Paul is not a motion guy. He's, you know, that's probably the biggest adjustment that we're going to see. Who's going to adjust? Is it Steve Kerr that's going to change his system up and cater to, you know, a Chris Paul? Or is he going to be stubborn and be like, hey, Chris, we have a system here where you got to play off the ball and play the system that has been successful for our team and the staple of what we do uh, for the last whatever years. So which one is it going to be, right? What do you think? Yeah, I expect it to be a little bit of both. I mean, I think CP3 can play off the ball. He's kind of shown the ability to do it in Phoenix and in Houston. Uh, where he can, you know, the stampede, ca- like off the catch, where he can just catch the ball and then attack a closeout, get, attack the mid-range, uh, get to the floater area, make a play. Um, so he can do that. He can shoot off the ball. Like he's very efficient as a shooter off the ball, just catch and shoot. Um, those are a couple things, but obviously I don't expect him to be like mo- a movement shooter, like coming off screens and stuff. Maybe he'll set some 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 misdirection screens and, and, and slips and stuff to where he can get others involved. But I think ultimately uh, we're just going to see an adjustment from both. I think we expect Kerr to like run more pick and roll, kind of like what he did with Jordan, though. Like Jordan wasn't necessarily running only motion. He was running more isolation, downhill stuff, kind of playing to his strengths a little bit. But Steve isn't ever going to abandon the motion as a whole. So I think – you're going to see CP3 try to set the table for Clay and maybe for some others uh, from a motion standpoint, but also get involved with his own strengths, you know, whether it be pick and roll uh, and other, you know, kind of isolation switches. Like 
he CP3 loves to attack switches. Like that's one of his biggest uh, strengths. Is like when he has a big on him, just get to that mid range, burn the clock down, and we need guys that can do that. Jordan was actually, I mean, from what I remember and and the film that I could point to, like he was relatively inefficient when it came to punishing mismatches. Like he lets a bonus off the hook more than he should have. Right? He would settle for like long 30 footers or, you know, even against like a guy like Wenyan Gabriel, who like played a little bit in the Lakers series, you know, he just wouldn't take these like more calculated shots, more intentional shots. I feel like CP three is a guy that will kind of reset, bring the ball out, get into his move, uh, get to the mid range or, you know, in the paint, try to, you know, make something happen. And I think Steve is going to adjust to CP three because he, you know, Steve is a guy that believes in the veteran, veteranship like the veterans uh the ability to you know put the ball in a guy's hand and say make the right decision so I think he trusts his skill set and he'll adjust accordingly and I think CP3 understands that the Warriors have concepts that that they have and and their bread and butter so he has to also cater and and fill in those needs as well um as a point guard off the bench kind of what Dante did as well uh, where he kind of adjusted and, you know, set set the table for guys like Clay, set the table for guys like Poole. Um, so, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? And then we'll move on to uh, our next topic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm, okay, so I'm going to kind of give a different perspective. And that is that the system needs to upgrade, update and change. Uh, the notion that Chris Paul is going to have to also make adjustments, play off the ball and all these things. That just tells me that <laughs> if they do that, then it doesn't matter what player they get. It doesn't like you know, like what you what what use is Chris Paul if you're going to ask him to play off the ball? Like it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense to me because probably uh, Steph Curry is the only one who is a point guard who is better with the ball in his hands, but he can also play without the ball in his hands, right? And um, I mean, be he's successful at it. Some people say that he's highly successful at it, right? But for me personally, I, I just think um, a mixture of things for him is better off, right? Uh, but most other point guards can't deal with that. Just playing off the ball, like what the whole responsibility of the point guard is to have control of the ball and have control of the offense and um, dictate what's going to happen. And you can't do that if you don't have the ball, right? And Chris Paul, we talk about he's been successful everywhere he's been. He's had the ball in every situation that he's been in. He might have been sparsely off the ball here and there, like if he's with James Harden and James Harden is ISOing, right? But these are not the types of players the Warriors really have anyway. 
So uh, there's really, you know, you're, how much is Chris Paul? 30, $35 million player, right? You don't bring a guy in like that and ask him to play off the ball. It's like you're limiting the effectiveness of who Chris Paul is. So this is, again, I, I mentioned Dunleavy and the way he's built the roster so far. Because, um, you know, the Warriors have been leading the league in tur- uh, turnovers uh, for a number of years now. They're a very inefficient team. And yep. I guess, you know, their system is kind of built that way. Um, and they've had some players that are kind of, you know, turnover prone and effective uh, from a point guard playing standpoint. But then you get Chris Paul, <laughs> possibly one of the most efficient guys ever in the league, period. Yep. Um, and then you pick up uh, Corey Joseph, who is also, you know, he takes care of the ball. He's, he's a professional. He's, he's a guy mm-hmm. who's been in the league for a long time, who knows how to fill the gaps if he needs to, uh, like, fill in a start for whatever reason. He can do that for you. Um, and he can right. provide just steady NBA minutes, right? And that's something. And he's a third stringer. And so you don't really expect much, but things happen throughout the course of a season. You never know what happens. There, you know, there were times when uh, a guy like Ty Jerome had to play major minutes because somebody was out, right? So uh, in, in that sense, getting a guy like Corey Joseph, instead of picking up some, you know, some G League guy that you've never heard of, or some guy who's, you know, is going to um, kind of not give you the most stability. Uh, whereas now I feel like Dunleavy is kind of bringing in experienced people across the board, whether they get to play or not, right? Uh, so that's a, that's a kind of clarity that he's bringing to this organization. Dunleavy is um, where he's going to put. NBA ready and reliable players on this roster, right? Even the players that he drafted uh, as a guy who played two years of college in uh, Pozemski. I, I still don't know. Yeah, Pajemski. Yep. Pajemski. Okay. And Trace Jackson, obviously, uh, he's Trace Jackson Davis. He's a four year college player, right? And so when you think, when you talk about a guy who's played four years of college, you're talking about a made player a guy who is uh, more ready to play in the NBA than just about any other player because they had four years of experience and that's 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 uncommon right so they're ta- they're essentially taking a made player and seeing how they can incorporate that into the warrior system